What is going on, everyone? This is episode 27 of the Attacker Zero podcast. As always, I'm your host, Carter Noble, joined by our fantastic co-host, Carl Wilkin. Carl, what's going on this week, man? This week, we have results from SCG Pittsburgh, which was the Team Modern Open. Uh, and You mean hashtag Team Hogak? Which didn't actually make top eight, but sure, we'll go with that. Go on. Uh, and we have results from Dallas, which was a modern event. You mean GP Hogak? Also not true. We also had, I think the historic announcement came out right after we recorded at last week's episode. It was, I think it was a couple hours afterwards. Uh, I'm out, I'm out mowing, and you send me a text saying, "Hey, have you seen this?" And I stopped what I was doing and watched it, and we'll get to that in a minute. We will, we will come back to that one, and then. Finally, we'll wrap up with our top fives from Core 2020, since pre-release is coming up fast. Yeah, pre-release is Friday, um, and from what I've seen, uh, most LGSs are running events all weekend. Yep. Um, I believe starting with this event, they don't have to have a midnight release. Like, they, they don't have a set schedule for pre-releases. It just says, hey... Have three events this weekend. Have fun, which is awesome. Which I yeah I, I think it's fantastic. the The fact that uh, I know uh, talking with people online, there's multiple multiple LGSs that are doing it instead of FNM. Mm-hmm. So like the the fact that you don't have people coming in at midnight and then your your staff is there till four or five, if not later. It's just like man that it. It wears people down. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, they had to be back at one the next day for another pre-release. It's just like, man, I can... I am very appreciative of Wizards making that change. (laughs) Because I think my last pre-release was M19. So it was last year's corset. Yeah, I I don't think I did any of Ravnica. I don't think I did any of that block. I played both Ravnica ones. I did not get to play in uh, trying a blank now. <laughs> War? Yeah, I did not get to play in Wars pre-release at all. Because that happened to be uh, the weekend of the wedding. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's why I didn't do that one. Um, I know uh, M19... Uh, we both got our boxes and everything and just sat there and opened oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we just opened boxes. And me, me and you were very ecstatic about Nexus of Fate, and everyone else is just like, yeah, it's a card. Yep. We're like, no, trust us, this card is insane. Yep. Uh, I think, be- if I remember correctly, I think between our boxes, we opened, like, every Mythic except for Bolas. We opened every Mythic but a Bolas. <laughs> and some of which we had doubles of. Our boxes were our boxes good. were stacked with mythics. I think I had you had like six or seven. I had six. Yeah, and I had five plus a foil, and I'm just like, this is insane. <laughs> all right, man. So where are we starting this week? Well, uh, since you're all itching to go about Hogak and how it's ruining the modern format, let's start with these results to prove you wrong. <laughs> 
<laughs> okay, so not saying names, but I'm pretty sure someone last week said there would be nine Hogak decks in the top eight. Yeah, I wonder who that could have been. It, it definitely wasn't me. Uh, I, was, yeah. I was out sick last week. Are you so. sure? <laughs> <laughs> and um, in the top four of SCG, we have one. Yep. In the top eight, there is... Yeah, top eight. There's um, four. Three. One, uh, two. Oh, you're, you're looking at the open. Four. four. There's four in the top eight of the open, and in the top eight of the uh, of Dallas, there's two. Yep. Uh, one by Tom Ross, and one by Paul Collier. Yep. Uh, which... Um, Daniel Wong over here in seventh playing his... Quadruple sleeve taking turns back. Oh yeah. I was like, man, that's that's something. every time they unsleeved a thing in the ice on screen, it was just like chat just exploded. Why why would you play with the actual cards at that point? Exactly. Um going back to the open, uh Jeremy Baratoni, Dominic Harvey, and Jonathan Hobbs uh, took down the tournament playing Martyr's Death Shadow, which is a real new take, which is very interesting on the Death Shadow mm-hmm. archetype. Uh, just straight up regular humans. I don't think there's anything weird about this humans list. It looked pretty stock. The uh, sideboard is where things start to get interesting. We get uh, Fractured Revoker and Yixla Jailer, which are super, uh, super techie for this deck. I'm... I, uh, when, when Hogak became really popular, um, I debated buying a lot of Ixalid Jailers just because I thought that that card is a, like, for, for, against specifically them, it's basically a budget Leyline of the Void. Well, you should have, because before... I was gonna say, plus you can beat people to death with it. Uh, because I was looking at them about two weeks before this event, they were 59 cents a piece on Star City, and then... And now they are... Sold out at six dollars. Exactly. So I really do wonder if these results are based on, um, like I I know in uh, Dallas I saw a metagame breakdown where Hogak had like thirty some decks in day two. Yep. It was the most popular deck by almost double over Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Dallas. Um, Hogak was the second most popular deck in day two behind Phoenix. Uh, so it makes me makes me wonder if people just strayed away from playing it in Dallas. I mean, in uh, in Pittsburgh. I think it comes or... down to because team events, their uh, their whole setup and everything is different than saying if we're just going and playing by ourselves at seamless mm-hmm. events. So. Having your team, having everybody else something comfortable that is like the de facto best deck, uh, isn't going to be as easy to come by when when is it Phoenix was is it Phoenix is still like really really good. It has decent games against Hogak and stuff like that. So playing is it Phoenix to beat Hogak can kind of be seen. Plus Aria Flame and is it Phoenix is just gross. It is just so. It's gross. very good. Um, that was a that was definitely a card that I slept on, and now I regret not buying. It. Yeah. Um, 
so let's see here. There was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven is it Phoenixes and one mono red Phoenix in top eight. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of where the is it Phoenix numbers came from was the teams that were all is it Phoenix or they had two is it Phoenix. A lot of teams that played the is it Phoenix X, they were either all on it or no one was on it. That's kind yeah, of where we were, we're, we're sitting. There's not a whole lot of just here's an is it Phoenix. Here's an is it Phoenix. It's two yeah, ups. I mean, two even, ups. even in top eight, we have uh, Alex Bistecki, Brian Koval, and James Mongus. Uh, Two of the three are playing playing Izzet Phoenix in second. Uh, in third place, we have two of the three playing Izzet Phoenix. So, I mean, there's four in the top four of of the team open. And they're pretty much just on each one of them takes. There's two teams that just have two of them. I, yeah. So, is it, the, the reason Izzet Phoenix seems so high is because people were either all in on Izzet Phoenix or they wanted no part of Izzet Phoenix. So when everyone on your team is on Is It Phoenix, that's an immediate three. Yeah, and you know, two to three per team. Yeah, exactly. Because I don't, I don't think there's any team uh, from day two looking at it that was on. Uh, ninth place had two Phoenix decks, but it had a mono red Phoenix. Um, tenth place had one. Eleventh uh, place had double Bridgevine plus Grixis uh, Urza. That like that am, deck is I like the breakout about. deck is Grixis Urza. That deck got so popular. Which like you know we've we've seen it pop up several different times here um, in deck dumps and everything. I know we talked about it um, last week. Was last week the one? Yeah, we did last the week was dump? our big deck dump week. So like I know we talked about it then. So like it's been popping up, and like it just seems like. People weren't really playing their artifact hate because because people are so worried about Hogak, it has warped the sideboards to having, you know, it, most lists are playing five to five to eight graveyard hate spells and there's seventy five. Mm-hmm. Like looking at the uh, the Mardu Shadows deck, we have four Ixla Jailers in the sideboard. Yeah, we have two surgical. And two Nile Spellbomb main board. Yep. So, like, yes, Hogak did not have an exceptionally, like, overcome, uh, overcomes, uh, over cumbersome weekend. But, like, it's still just warping the format. And I, I think that's something that people are just ignoring. Like, these are vintage dredge kind of sideboard numbers. Yeah. And that's not healthy for a format. I'm just going over the Mardu Death Shadow list again, just looking at it all. There's there's some sweet tech in that. Ranger Cabin of Eos has been really, really like good in this deck because it's just like mm-hmm. the turn before you win, you can just pop your Ranger Captain and then just go back in. Say, so don't do anything. Yeah, you can't. Don't remove my dudes and I kill you, pretty much. Um, I think they put someone on Team Modern Super League also played Barter's Death Shadow and it looked really good there. Um, They did that Tuesday night. Uh-huh. It's on Tuesdays. Um, I know I saw the replay on YouTube yesterday when I was looking, but I haven't got to watch it yet. Yeah. 
I was, worst part is, is I was off Tuesday, and I'm sitting here at my computer just like, man, I wish I could watch something. What? I'm like, oh yeah. Uh, let's see here. Any other unique deck lists in this top eight from Pittsburgh before we move on to Dallas? Uh, Aaron Burridge's Bant Infect list is kind of cute. It's it's really interesting. So they're playing Giver Runes. They've cut to Fairy entirely, and they're playing Giver Runes as their white card to justify splashing into white. Um, which it's fine. It's Giver Runes is essentially one mana spell Skype because it's going to eat a removal spell on turn two. So cool. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. An interesting take. I don't know if I agree with it, but it's an interesting take. Uh, we get to play... We play more Vines now because now we can go Giver Runes into Protect It with Vines of Astwood. Because it can't protect itself. Uh, which, if we're doing that, I don't know why we're only on two Blossoming Defense. But Agreed. I guess he couldn't, he couldn't bring himself to get rid of Groundswell or Becomments to go up to three or four. Um, uh, let's see here. Sideboard's pretty stocked. Four guys to St. Traffic seems like a lot. But. Yeah, but like, when you want it, you really want it? Yeah. Like, the swapping uh, Giver out for Geist is really sweet because in the matchups where they're going to be consistently removing your, your Giver, it means you're like, well, let's move away from that plan, shall we? Yeah. Oh, let's see here. Any other interesting lists? Um, I'm currently looking over the the Grixis Urzel list down in 10th place by Joel Sadus- Sadowski. Um, it's it's really interesting. Uh, Snow Basics, so we can play Arkham Astrolabe, which I'm, pre- I'm pretty sure is stock at this point. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's all it is normal. Um... Yeah, we're, yeah, the snow basics so we can dead of winter. <laughs> yeah. Well, one, we want to be able to consistently cast our, our astrolabes as well. Uh, astrolabe is also so we can just dead of winter. Yep. It's just, everything is... Dead of winter is the big payoffs for snow decks because we don't have really good uh, board wipes that aren't just going to ruin Not, us. Yeah. I was going to say, Grixis, you have Damnation, but like sometimes Damnation is too slow. Yep. Three mana just... Nuke all your dudes when I have, like, four or five snow permanents is pretty good. Uh, uh, Goblin Engineer gets either half of the combo. Usually usually Goblin en- Engineer is grabbing a Sword of the Meek if you already have the Foundry. Uh, just because, like, you can bring back Swords from the Graveyard easier. Yep. Uh, um, one Bridge, which that number seems really low. Staring Bridge? Yeah. It's because we have Goblin Engineer to buy it back. Yeah, but like, what happens if your Goblin Engineer dies? Then, like, you, then you can't whir for another one. Yeah, but we couldn't that's, really. That's my big complaint: is we're on one. If we have Goblin Engineer out to begin with, we're not really worrying for anything. So, because that implies we have mm. red mana, meaning we don't have an island. We have a Steam Vents right here, sir. Yeah, one. Hey, I'm, we have a Spire Bluff Canal here, sir. That's not an, that's, trust me. These one of lands are just so we could play these Goblin Engineers, but we're always after that snow-covered mountain. Every time. Yeah, the, the snow-covered mountain means our Astrolabes are better, and, you know, 
I don't know if we're always accurate. We, I, I want to go that when, deep. If you watch people play the deck, they always want to grab these basics first. I don't understand that, though. Like, when when you have these mana restraints of, of like, Thopter Foundry and Goblin Engineer, you're going to have to fetch your duels at some point. And, like, it's not like we don't have fetches to be able to grab them. We don't need fetches right. when we have filters. Arkham's Astrolabe lets us filter our red mana into oh, blue mana. Oh, yeah, you are. And we have we have Mox Opal. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Hence why we always grab our basics. We protect it. Yeah, protects right. us from getting from losing our lands, so we're not down lands. They're snow covered, so we can cast our Arkham's Astrolabe. They're better in the memes two and three, so we grab our Dead or Winter. Trust me, I'm the person who plays these decks. I understand the play patterns. I can see what we're doing. No, nah, you don't know what you're talking about, man. <laughs> Would, I'm really interested in like how often they're getting this spine back. Um, or, like they're they're actually doing something with the spine of Isha. The spine of Isha is usually there just as an oh shit button. It's good to have it in case you need it, but if you don't need it, then you're you're better it's off like with whatever. that. It's like you're, it's not it's not a big deal. Um. Yeah, this this is pretty normal. I don't see anything crazy. The number of um, swords looking... to foundries is kind of off, but usually it's one sword for foundry. But that's not a big deal. I'm looking at the mono red prison deck down in 15th place by uh, Cassie, Casey Rose. Cassie Rose. Cassie. Okay. And man, this deck has always really interested me. But I, for the life of me, cannot bring myself to spending four hundred dollars on a set of Chalice of the Voids. Yeah, if you already have Chalice, it's one thing. But if you don't have them, then <laughs> because like I was looking at Eldrazi Tron too, because you know I own eighty five percent of that, and then I saw Chalice of the Voids. I'm like, oh, how expensive are these? Nope, we're good. <laughs> What's funny is they were down to thirty five, forty dollars a piece at one point. Yep. We're playing Springback, Springjack Pasture. Heck yeah, we gotta make them goats. It's a combo with our trading post. Yeah, we got we got goats. Goat tribal, here we come. I'm very disappointed they called this mono red prison and not goat tribal. <laughs> it's not true. It's not actual actual goat tribal though. Like, I mean, it basically is. We have the two cards that care about goats. Yeah. Let's see here. All these, there's a Neo brand in 18th. Start, yeah, to, I just saw that. Starting to poke his head back out. London Mulligan's online on Arena and Motor right now, right? It is. Uh, I was very confused the first time I mulliganed yesterday playing Limited. And because I drew up, you know, back to seven, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, on, on any online format. London Mulligan's live. It won't be live for paper until the twelfth. Yep, till next week. So get your get your Vancouver's in now. If you're going to F and M, it's going to be the end of an era. So, nineteenth uh, place, we have a Jeskai Flash deck, and I've I've talked to you a little bit about this in the last couple weeks. I love shitty Flash decks. Yeah, yeah, you do. <laughs> I want this deck to be so good. And I know it is not, but man, do I want to play this deck. 
Like it just it just does everything I enjoy in magic. I'm disappointed in no Narsets to combo with our Vendillion clicks. Yeah. Yeah, it was fine. Like we have zero in the seventy five. I don't know if that's right. I don't know if I agree with that. Well what are you cutting though? You gotta take things Geist. out to put cards in. Geist. Out of your sideboard? Yeah. I thought you wanted a main board. I don't know, maybe. But like zero in the seventy five doesn't seem right to me. Yeah. I think it's fine. It's probably whatever. Your all Bridgevine team is in twentieth. Hashtag Team Hogak. There you go. Literal hashtag Team Hogak. <laughs> Question is, are they all on the same uh, list? Are they all on the same 75? This guy is splashing for white for Wispmare and Weartear. This one is exact same. Yeah, these these all look the same. Yeah, they yep. are Everyone's on the back. exact same 75. Good on them. If you're going to go down, go down together. So yeah, um, Hogak didn't put up huge results. I think it's because people have actually figured out, hey, this card is actually fucked up, and uh, decided to actually target it. So we didn't have. It's not like the standard decks where we most events are right after standard set releases, so we don't get to do the whole exploration of archetypes that standard gets to do. We had mm-hmm. we had. A couple, three weeks, four weeks before this thing, before this event, any of these events were happening. So everyone had time on Moto to figure out, oh, this deck is nuts. Okay, so how do we hedge against that? What do we play to beat that deck and still have a fair matchup against the rest of the field that are trying to beat that deck? And it turns out that when you bring graveyard, when you bring 10 to 12 cards graveyard hate in your 75, can have a pretty good time against Bridgevine. Uh, moving on to Dallas, where Bridgevine almost won this event, too. Almost. Uh, Austin Bursevich on Azorius Control uh, ended up taking down Dallas. It's pretty stock blue-white. Nothing, like, supremely out there couple force negations, some spatterings of one of counterspells. Uh, I'm confused by the main board oust. I'm not. Uh, it's it's good. Like, I know I know people have been playing it for quite a while, and I just... It gets better now because you can just tuck, you can tuck a, like a Hogak, or you can tuck a Benjivine on... Yeah, but then they can just sack it in response. If they have the outlet, yeah. <laughs> You're, you, with the blue white control deck, your goal is to turn off their out to turn off their sacrifice outlets instead of trying to attack their graveyard. Yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, we have zero terminus. Yep, we're off terminus entirely now. Interesting. It looks like we're playing verdict and wrath of god for sure. Yeah, it's a one and one. Second verdict in the board. Um, One monastery mentor in the board. Yep. 
There was there's a full playset of Rest in Peace, a Stony Silence, two Purge, a Dobin's Veto, a third Force Negation in the sideboard, a Vendillion Click in the sideboard, uh, a second Timely Reinforcements in the sideboard. This seems pretty stock for blue white. Um, the Bridge Vine from Paul Collier is on white. Interesting. Yep. It's on white. Yeah, it's, it's real interesting. This sideboard, I am intrigued by. Uh, the Thalia is actually kind of cute. Uh, it actually didn't really do a whole lot, but it's kind of cute. <laughs> I'm, I'm more interested in the Beaumont Couriers. Oh, Beaumont Courier is from old Bridgevine lists, so we could pitch our hands if we have Vengevines in them. Cute. Yep. Uh... Sam Cook's Eldrazi Tron list uh, is playing Ugin the Ineffable. Love it. Main deck. Wouldn't change a thing. Uh, it is actually you like... You can play Chalice on one for free. It is actually, it's actually <laughs> great watching us watching Ugin just hit oh, the yeah. field and play. It's great. I have been playing it in, in normal Tron and it has been very good. Um, his great creator sideboard is kind of all over the place. I don't think he brought a full 15 cards. It's my thing. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. This looks like ten. Yeah, he only brought ten cards for his sideboard. Neat. Yeah. I I wonder if there was some error here. I don't or know. This is actually just his sideboard. It might just be his sideboard. Yeah, we have sixty mains, so it's not like he's playing like sixty-five and ten. Yeah. Uh, another blue-white control in fourth place. This one is pretty stock like the other one. It moved their Vendillion click to the main, and it's also playing mo two Monastery Mentor instead of one in the sideboard. I guess it can help. Uh, Christopher Holman on humans was fifth, which that's pretty stock humans list. Um, played Chalice of the Void and Collector Oof in their sideboard, along with Plague Engineer for the years yeah um there was one from the open that also had plague engineers in their board which i thought that was really interesting plague engineer is like the hoser for mirrors because then oh, all yeah. your humans are bigger than theirs which is like the same uh years ago when i was playing abzan i would play anafenza because anafenza made my tarmogoyce bigger in the mirror yep i i know that is a super minor thing, but, like, she's also just a 4-4 four, four for 3. Yeah. So, like, she punched the clock really aggressively. Uh, Daniel Wong is just pioneering his super huge taking turns deck. He used to be splashing black, correct? I believe it was either black or white that it was a splash, and now we're on to red for just, like, all the stuff that red gives us. Because we get, uh, we get lightning bolt. We are... We do have a water grave for two engineered explosives and three surgicals out of the board. So, yeah, we have we have enough to go uh, engineer for three, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, we could engineer for four if. Well, yeah, if we have the gemstone caverns, we can engineer for four. Uh, 
But yeah, we're on red now because we get lightning bolt to just deal with problematic dudes. We get uh, a braid out of the sideboard, anger of the gods out of the sideboard. Which that anger came up super like a bunch from the games I got to watch because they had him on camera a lot on coverage. Oh, I'm sure. Like at, it was at least every other round he was on camera, and trust me, watching taking turns do its thing is not that thrilling. <laughs> This is another deck that I've always been really interested in, but I think it's just awful, and I don't want to play it, but I really want to all at the same time. <laughs> uh, and in last place for the top eight, we have Tom the Boss Ross. He His Bridge Vine is the first green one I've seen. And I think it is by far the better splash. It is. Um Being able this to... This mare is just not good. Being able it. to cast our Venge Vines if we are like Locked out on hate is a viable thing. Uh, with a lot of the Wisp Bear only hits enchantments, so if your opponent has like a cage? a cage or a Nile Spell Bomb and you guessed wrong, you're just stuck with your decision and you're never going to get it off the battlefield. Uh, Whereas we have Nature's Claims, plus we have Ingot Chewer that can also deal with things. Yep. Plus, I really like the thought seasons here too. I don't yeah. know if that's something other people are doing in their list, but just like turn one thought seize away your rest in peace is very powerful. Thought seize again is old tech from old Bridgevine lists. We would yep. play them in the sideboard to pick off rest in peace and uh, any other problem permanents in just like we would have pro- anything we would we would consider a problem. Uh, they also would come in against control decks to just kind of help us pick down their hand to where we're not having to deal with all their spells and, and every, all at once. Um, yeah, I, I prefer Tom Ross's list over the white lists for sure because it's pretty. It resembles a lot of what I played. Um, like even the land split is correct, so. That would be it for the top eight of Dallas. Yeah, it's uh, there's there's some interesting stuff going on here. Um, definitely prefer Tom's build of of uh, Bridgevine over over Paul's. Um, both blue white control decks are pretty close. Um, I feel like that's an archetype that's, uh, it's like always being worked on, but at this point I'm, it feels pretty solved as to what you want where. Yeah. And it's just a matter of like minor tweaking. Um, I do like the Monastery Mentor tech that's been coming around in these decks. Uh, Mentor is very good when you can protect it with Force of Negation, so I'm not surprised to see, to see it popping up here. Um, I'm a big fan of the... The Esper like control decks that have been playing Mentor with Unearth, mm-hmm. uh, and they're maxing out on like Force of Negation main to be able to protect it as well. Um, Mentor is definitely a card that has always felt really close in modern, and it seems like its times kind of started to show up. But like, there's just so much better things you can be doing in this format than a three mana two two. Yeah, but like. If they don't kill the 2-2, it runs away with the game pretty easily, so... Yeah. So... So, yeah. Where to next? We got top fives, or we got historic we can talk about for a little bit. 
I guess we should get this shit show with Historic over with. Okay. So, for those that may not know or live under a rock, uh, Historic kind of got leaked. I would say leaked because it was in their developer update that, like, no one ever watches. <laughs> uh, so, developer update, they were talking about it, and they kind of let it slip that uh, Almonket and Kaladesh were not going to be released immediately into Historic. Because they liked the idea of where historic, where standard is at right now, and they want to keep it that way. So, at rotation in October, September, September, October. I can't remember which, but yeah, uh, it will be a casual for fun format on Arena. Uh, Wizards does not plan on supporting this for. Any other events outside of that, if you want to play it casually outside in paper, you can. But it's just going to be the standard you're dealing with now. Which, here's here's my thought process on all this, man. If they don't want to have, if they don't want it to be a competitive format, then why not already give us the sets that they've worked on and put them in? And then just Fix it later if it's a problem. If if they don't care about this format by saying it's a casual format like that, then what's the problem with them just saying, these sets are already programmed in, here you go, have fun. It then opens up for more people wanting to play it because it's a newer format. It is more than just standard plus. And it just, it really confuses me as to why they would say that they want it to be a casual format because they don't really, like, obviously Standard is their big moneymaker on Arena. But if they're wanting to have these other formats as well, why not give us things that people want to play with? Mm-hmm. Why not give us something that people are willing to explore and see what else is good? Because at this point, Standard is basically solved. Uh, granted, you know, M20 has come out. There is new things going on with M20. But this previous standard format was solved. Tefiri is the best best card in the format. Esper Heroes... Esper Midrange is the best deck in the format. You need to have a plan for this deck. So for them to say that this format is healthy, when I... I disagree that this format is healthy right now. I think the inclusions of specifically uh, 3-mana Teferi and 3-mana Narset have warped this this format to be very much about them, and you need specific cards to be able to beat specifically them. Um, Teferi makes it very hard to interact with on their turn because they automatically are going to get to do their thing. Tefiri automatically gets a card out of itself. And then you have to spend mana on your turn to deal with it. So you can't, like, end of turn shock your Tefiri. Because his static ability just starts it off. Where And he punishes uh, creatures without ATB abilities. Mm-hmm. Without haste. Like, expensive creatures. There's The, the list of things that Tefiri 
interacts with positively for the player is very, very, very high. And on the other side of the field, the things that Tafiri interacts with negatively are just astronomical. Uh-huh. It requires such a restrictive deck building that it just warps the format around it. And I'm not saying that you can't have powerful cards in standard. I'm completely on the other side of the spectrum. I think having powerful cards in standard is fine. But having powerful answers is also good. You know, you, you can have these bomb cards, but you need to be able to have powerful answers to them as well. So people don't just feel demoralized when, you know, they're... Their their uh hero precinct one is picked up by Tefiri, and now you have to re replay it, spend mana to deal with this Tefiri, hope it doesn't live, and just like it, it's not good, man. So for them to say this format is healthy, and for them to want to just continue playing it, I just don't understand. They. They say it's fine, but in reality, like, it just doesn't seem like it is. Adding Amonkhet and Kaladesh, if not farther back, means that we actually have new stuff we can explore. That Tefiri's not going to be the end-all, be-all of this format. Yeah. Like, like, obviously you have, like, Wilderness Reclamation Nexus stuff you can do. You have stuff you can do with Nyssa, but, like, you still have to be weary of Tefiri. Like, I just, I don't understand their thought process behind any of this, man. Either make it where you are going to be aggressive with your ban lists and make this format good so people want to play it, or give us more sets, let people explore the format, and then fix it as needed. There are... I feel like there are two very big avenues they could have taken with this announcement, and they just kind of cut the good out of both of those sides, and just... you're left with everything in the middle. Yeah. It just... it doesn't... feel right. I know... I, I for one, have been really looking forward to this new non-rotating format. Um, I've talked to you a lot about it. I've talked to Kyle. I've talked to my buddy David. There are a ton of people I've talked to about. Man, I'm really excited for this. I'm not satisfied with the state of modern. And, like, standard's fine, so, like, it's whatever. But, like, having a new format for people to pick up and play competitively, or even just, you know, casually, whatever. I don't, I don't care about that. But having a new format to explore, I was really excited about. And for them to go, yeah, it's just standard with new cards is really lackluster. And I feel like they really really fell short on this one. Yeah, that kind of seems to be the whole generic consensus on that is they just they cut everything good about what it could have been and just went with the safe option because it's what they like. And they want to think it's what the arena players like because they want to capture this moment of arena where every, they have so many people playing because it's all these all these cards are there. But then they want to keep people playing 
this arena and have and just add to it. It's they didn't want to overlap on modern because they did, they just released Modern Horizons. Modern is going to be their cash cow from here to Kingdom Come because they just opened the door to we can print modern supplemental sets anytime we want now. Like, but you know, not everyone is interested in playing modern. I know, uh, but that's what standards for. <laughs> but like, this format's not fun anymore. That's that's my biggest thing. Is like, I moved away from standard. Because I wasn't really enjoying the format after, uh, basically after Kansas City, um, I played for a couple weeks and really liked the Gruel deck and then realized that Gruel's not very good against Esper and Esper got really popular and like, I don't feel like playing Esper mirrors all day. Yeah. It's like, I want to play competitively, but like, they don't. There's not an avenue on Arena for me to play competitively, it feels like. It's like Modern and Standard switch spots. Modern is now the new format where there's so many... We had an influx of a bunch of new cards. We're trying to figure everything out. And Standard's just the stale X beats Y, Y beats Z, Z beats X kind of thing. Yeah. This is rock, paper, scissors, man. And that's when the but, formats get boring, is when rock, paper, scissors is how it determines the game. But when when Esper Hero is rock and also has a good matchup against paper and has a 45-50% matchup against scissors, like, then it's not fun. I just don't see why Wizards couldn't have, like, given us, even if it was just, like, Amonkhet. Amonkhet would have at least change yeah, like, state a little bit because the even, I feel like Amonkhet was the start of standards getting good again because standard actually has fun interactions and whatnot. That's that's the big thing. Amonkhet was always going to be overshadowed by how awful Kaladesh was. And as a result, like this was a perfect opportunity for them to say, hey, these cards we know didn't really ever get their limelight in standard. Here you go play with them too and like i was i was really excited about playing scarab god and like uh, all these powerful cards that we had then but now we also have good and like good answers to them too so like it it i just don't understand their thought process man same um i don't know what i was really really excited and they just shot themselves in the foot again it's wizards. What do you expect? Uh, At this point, man, I don't know. Let's move on to Commander 2020. Oh, wait, no. Corsa cool. 2020. <laughs> oh, yeah. Commander 2020 is next month. <laughs> it's okay. We get like six weeks before we get spoilers again. Thank God. <laughs> I'm just burned out, man. No, it, it's okay because we get, um, I think mid-August we get Commander, which is like, whatever. We're those cards aren't going to be really impactful. Wait, like, no, it's commander. already Commander. What are you talking about? The actual Commander 2020. So. Oh, so we get the pre-cons, is what you mean. Yes. Okay. Okay. And then we get um, mid-September, early September, we start getting stuff for whatever set's coming. Because Archery is what it's called. They have it. Archer is what, Archery is what it's called. Archer, Archer. Is that not just, is that not just the, like, 
That's the placeholder. Developer. Name. That's the placeholder. Okay, name. but we yeah, don't, we don't actually name. know what set it is. Yeah, but you can just call it Archer for now because that's what everyone else is calling it. Uh, I just really wish we knew what was going on, man. Ah, uh, they'll, they'll let us know. They got they got to come up with a whole new story still. So they just ended a story that was just like Mar- uh, Marvel's Avengers Endgame. It was just like. The culmination of X amount of years of storytelling just ended abruptly. <laughs> but like we also knew it was going we to knew, end. We knew like there, every so. story has to have an end, so it's like it happens, but Wizards isn't the type of people that usually just abrupt end. <laughs> abrupt cut to make a new story. Usually their story is like here's a tail off and into a new story beginning all in one set usually that's kind of how their sets their 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 design space works but when they just go start to end one cut it off and then we don't have anything for the next one and the next set is a core set which has no story impacts whatsoever we don't know what's going on we don't know where we're going we don't know what we're doing I'm expecting Garuk to be the bad guy. We know that Garuk is going to come back at some point. Yep. But we don't know when or anything else. So I'm assuming it's sooner rather than later. Probably. Yeah, most likely. I guess we will wait and see. So Okay, so... But it just... Man, I just want to know what's going on so then I can like plan accordingly as to jump ship on standard. I... <sighs> I don't I mean, know what's going on, man. Looking from what I've seen from the early access stuff, because Arena and Moto started July 2nd. It's yep. currently the 4th. Happy Independence Day. Um, I've seen cute decks come out with Core 2020 cards in them. I haven't seen anything crazy, like, new. So, here's the thing. We're three days into this new format. People are going to be playing their bad decks... Against other bad decks. We have no idea what's going on right now. If you want success in this format, figure out how to update um, Esper. Uh, figure out how to update Esper. Figure out how to update Dreadhorde. One there word. Disfigure. <laughs> yeah. Done. <laughs> Clean cut. Did it. <laughs> Nailed where's, it. Where's Perfect. my prize? <laughs> you get nothing, sir. Good day. Okay. Uh, so yeah, um, just because uh, we had a lot of stuff to actually cover today and everything, uh, didn't want this episode to run on for two hours, you know, ten hours or whatever. Um, we are only going to do a top five for this set. Um, one because you know we've had a lot of stuff to talk about today. Two because neither of us have really been overly impressed with this set so far. It feels very underpowered. We've had a lot of powerful standard sets for the past like year and a half, and now we're hitting this one where it feels super underpowered. Uh, let's start with honorable mentions. What do we got for honorable mentions? We got um, my honorable mention. I have Starfield Nix- uh, Mystic SMM um, <laughs> specifically because. I feel like we're going back to Theros at some point, and if we do, I think this card could be a real contender in standard. If we go back to Theros, that'll be great. 
because that means we can look at Elspeth again. Yeah. We might, we which, might get like an Orzhov Elspeth. I believe it was... Um, was Seattle the same weekend as uh, Mythic Championship 3? I believe so. It was at one of those events that they had... Like, you know how they have, like, the giant, like, backgrounds with all the planeswalkers and everything on them? Yep. Um, they had one of those with Elspeth on it, hmm. and it said it said something about a return, I think is what it said. I, I saw it on Twitter, and it was several weeks back, so I couldn't even remember who it was or anything that posted it, but... Everyone assumes now that we're going back to Theros, we're getting a new Elspeth, and everything's going to be great. I mean, I'm, I'm okay with that. Uh, Theros wasn't my like most favorite set, but it was the set that got me back and started playing Magic again. So, uh, I'd be okay with that. I wouldn't be mad at it. Uh, as for uh, SFM... I'm going to call it that every time because it just happens to break down in the same way. Uh, Starfield Mystic, uh, it's cute. You can get enchantment-based strategies out of it in Standard, and it makes you, like, your Baffling End cost one. Yeah. Your Convoke essentially costs two less because you can tap him and it costs one less. So, Well, what's really interesting is you have uh, History of Benalia, as which white, now white. costs two and it's going to go to your graveyard. Yep. So, like, now not only do you pump up your knights, but Starfield Mystic also then it becomes a 3-3. Your, your, all the sagas are going to be real cool with this card. Yeah. Um, that's probably not the last time I'm going to talk about sagas today. No. Uh, uh, what do you What do you got for honorable mentions? I, I Dread Presence, so we can do our escape shift thing. <laughs> Man, I am really excited about this card. <laughs> I know... Uh, you and I did a little bit of brewing a couple, last week, couple weeks back It was now. a couple weeks ago, yeah. And I have not, I, I need to get on Arena and actually redeem my Dread Presence and my, my, uh, Disfigure so I can actually play this deck and tell you how bad it is. <laughs> oh, it's gonna be miserable, but it's gonna do fun stuff for a while. I know Jeff Hoogland was playing a green-black, uh... It played Command the Dread Horde, it played the Explore Package, and it played Dread Presence and Scape Shift. And actually this was, sounds it was actually cute. pretty decent. Like it actually was putting up a fight against most decks because you just back it whatever you just command a dread horde back all your stuff if you need to like get your explore stuff, or you can dread presence scape shift sacrifice your seven or eight lands because you have Nissa. <laughs> So this is adorable. It, the deck was super cute. Uh, I don't know if it's going to be like top tier, but it looked pretty decent. But uh, Dread Presence is like the card I'm like most excited about because it's just Black Valakut. <laughs> oh, moving on to number fives. I think we both me, have man. Cavaliers, don't we? We both have Cavaliers, but we have very different ones. So we're at opposite ends of the spectrum. Correct. Okay. You want to go first? Or you want me to go first? Um, I can go first. Okay. Um, first up, I have at number five, I have Cavalier of Dawn. This is I want to read the card. Okay. I gotta spell the card. Well, I have here it here in front of me because I'm prepared. I don't want to talk about it. 
Okay. Uh, so Cavalier Dawn is two white, white, white for a 4 6 with vigilance. Uh, when it enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target non land permanent. A controller gets a 3 3. Uh, 3 3 colorless golem. Not sure that that's relevant at all. Splicers are in this set. You are correct. We have Master Splicer. And when it dies, return target artifact or enchantment from your graveyard to your hand. Um, I think this card is a very powerful answer to all the planeswalkers that are running around. Um, we get to return our sagas, which like is real, real A+. Uh, this is a knight, so it gets the, the pump off of History of Benalia. The fact that this can answer anything... While also being a 4-6, which then eats their 3-3, and has, like, some kind of value if it dies, is really sweet. Um, like, Teferi doesn't want to pick this up because then you just kill their Teferi. Like, it, it, I think this is, like, of the five, I think this one has the most implications. And this is where you tell me I'm wrong. Yep. Uh, my number five is Cavalier Knight. I have the black one. It's it's funny because White Knight and Black Knight have been like the two major like knights for all of Magic's history, and we just happened to pick Cavalier Dawn and Cavalier Knight for yeah. So this. for the record, Carl and I do not work on our list together at all. And the day we record, we just send them to each other, look at it, and go. Okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cavalier Knight is two black, black, black for a 4-5 with lifelink. When it enters the battlefield, you may sacrifice another creature. When you do, destroy target creature and opponent controls. Uh, in Cavalier Knight, when it dies, return target creature card from converted mana cost three or less from your graveyard to the battlefield. So I have Bone Splinters and Unearth. And you have... Uh, I have... Uh, Beast Within. Beast Within. And... and- I don't know what the... Regrowth. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Regrowth is the best I got, man. Artifact Enchantment Regrowth. Um, <laughs> I like this one mainly because the lifelink on it. Uh, Which is actually really important and something I didn't realize for the longest time on that card. So I really like this one. It's a 4-5, so it blocks... It, it blocks uh, the white one, specifically. It blocks Carter's Knight. You, you are correct. It um, does block... I get to gain life off of that. Plus, I can remove a knight if I, I can remove another dude if I need to by sacrificing one of my smaller dudes. Uh, Command the Dreadhorde loves this card because we can just like command the Dreadhorde back all of our explorer dudes and Cavalier and Knight stack our triggers so all of our explorers go off and then Cavalier and Knight resolves last. Sacrifice one of the explorer dudes that just found a land and we get to kill one of their dudes. <laughs> It's it's just what everything Black wants to be doing with Command the Dreadhorde, like it's just a bonus. Uh, plus, Bone Splinters and Unearth on a body seems pretty decent. Unearth is just now new to modern, and mm-hmm. having it having it's, it it's in been standard, very impactful so far. And having it in standard is super relevant. Uh, number four. My number four, I have Drawn from Dreams. This is the uh, Dig Through Time. Yeah, this is uh, two blue-blue for a sorcery. 
Uh, look at the top seven cards of your library, put two of them into your hand, the rest are on the bottom of your library in any order. Um, so people have already been playing Chemistry's Insight. Um, I think this card is much more impactful than Chemistry's Insight, even though it is a sorcery. Um, the big upside here, though, is it is not drawing cards, but it is still card advantage, so it gets around Narset. Yep. Um, and seven cards Dick time. Yeah, seven cards Dick Through Time lot. was very impactful when it was in Standard. This is not Dig Through Time. This is very reminiscent of that card. And I think it's going to be on the same power level as that card in Standard, if you want yeah. me to be honest. Uh, notably, if you play this with Level Teferi, you get to cast this at instant speed. Yeah. So you can end step this on your opponent's turn to find answers to whatever they played for the turn. Or So having to fa- having Teferi and Leyland Anticipation means that this card will be cast at instant speed a lot. Like, in a vacuum, it doesn't seem as good, but if you look at the whole of standard and what's good right now, then this is going to get much better, especially after rotation. My number four uh, is my Planeswalker for the top five. Uh, I picked Sor and Imperious Bloodlord mainly because Commander. <laughs> Go you. Woo! Uh, vampire Tribal. I think there's a Vampire Tribal deck probably in standard. This might open up Vampire Tribal into Modern as well because it's been kind of just like it's just harder to interact with Planeswalker that pumps like, up. Your you dudes. get to do your thing immediately, which yeah. is really important. Um, plus, like grabbing if you flip, like say you pitched uh, Vampire Nocturnus, you get to bring it back for the next three. And then it gets to protect mm-hmm. your Soren. <laughs> yeah. Like um, Soren is interesting. I It's for the shenanigans more than how good it actually is. Okay, that's that's fair. Um I was telling you before we started recording that I've been I've been doing a lot of drafts here lately. And I had a green black deck last night that I drafted. Uh, that going into pack two, I did not real feel real great about it. So I opened a Soren, picked it up, because I it bylaced it for like $8 or whatever, and just said, you know what, I think we're just going to like rare draft the rest of this. And so my draft went from really bad to I sold everything for 24 tickets. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Soren, Soren is interesting. Um, I haven't seen anyone playing him, and I don't know how I feel about that yet. It's, it's an interesting one, for sure. <laughs> commander. <laughs> we don't have Commander on Arena, so that's why you don't see him. True, we do not. Uh, number threes. Uh, uh, again, we, we did three. this on accident. My number three is Veil of Summer. And obviously I'm well prepared and know what I'm doing, so let me pull so, up this card, too. <laughs> you were talking to me about the Veil of Summer. It's like, your counter spell to uh, Thought Erasure. Yep. Uh, what happens if you draw it after said Thought Erasure? Like, do you just, like, it, feel like, sad? It stops <laughs> a removal spell. It, it, it like, Teferi doesn't... Oh, you can't do the... You, oh, Teferi's real good, man. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, it's like, uh, Teferi, unless you talk about Hero Dominaria, Teferi's real good. <laughs> so, uh, Veil of Summer is... Green for an instant. Uh, draw a card and an opponent casts a blue or black spell this turn. Spells you control 
can't be counted this turn. You and permanents you control gain hexproof from blue and from black until end of turn. So, um, this counter slot erasure, you, it, like, it cycles itself. Like, worst case scenario, it cycles itself. Yeah. Um, best case scenario, like, you get to draw a card off of their removal spell. So, like, it, this card has real high upside, and I think its floor is real low. Yeah. I, I think it's I think it's very powerful. Um, mine is another card in the cycle of color ch- color matter spells. Uh, I have Fry, best art in the game probably by far. Uh, also just deals really well with big blue and white dudes or planeswalkers that we have problems that Mono Red has problems with. Uh, can't be countered. Like, yeah, the, the fact that this deals with. Either Teferi after an uptick and Alira is very, very impactful for Mono Red. Uh, this also hits Narset, notably. Yep. Um, that one you don't care about too much. We at, don't care about that one too much, red, but, but other decks that are in red that do care about yeah. it can play this card because it's splashable. Yep. Um, this is my number three mainly because it, it hits all the problematic cards in Esper. Like, every card we've had a problem with it hits, and they can't do anything about it. There's no stopping this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, this reminds me of Combust back in old core sets, where it did kind of the same thing. I don't know if the Can't Be Countered Clause was on there or not, though. I believe it was. But I don't think Combust could hit Planeswalkers. No, but back then, Planeswalkers weren't a big deal like they are now. Combust was around when Planeswalkers were first getting their foothold, and they didn't have a lot of interaction with them. Yep, uh, Combust is red red and one for an instant, can't be countered by spells or abilities, uh, deals five to target white or blue creature, this damage can't be prevented. Yeah, it was so. real good against Baneslayer Angel back in the day. Yeah. That was like, that was like Mono Red or, uh, Ag- Naya Aggro's answer to Baneslayer was just to f- combust their Baneslayer Angel. Real good answer to it, if I say so myself. Yep. And I think I think Fry having the text of killing planeswalkers is is probably even more upside. Oh yeah, that's like it's just all upside, all value. Uh, number two. My number two, I have my planeswalker for the list. Uh, I have Chandra Awakened Inferno. So this is four red red uh, for a six loyalty. Chandra cannot be countered. Plus two, each opponent gets the emblem. At the beginning of your upkeep, this the emblem deals one to you. Neg three deals three to each non-elemental. Neg six, uh, uh, excuse me, neg X uh, deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. If it dies, exile it instead. Card's really powerful. It's really powerful. Um, having the emblem on the plus is what... Just like I feel like, just puts this card over the top. Yeah, the fact that this thing goes up to eight and like just starts doming your opponent is insane. And we can just stack these emblems over and over and over if we have ways to protect it. Um, I'm not as thrilled about the Neg Three as when we saw it originally because there are so many elementals in this set. Yeah, there's there's a ton in this set, but I don't know how impactful all of them are going to be. Uh, notably, it can deal with. Any of the Cavaliers, mm-hmm. and they don't get their die trigger, so it's like even better with the Neg X. Um, 
I like it. It's probably my favorite Planeswalker out of all of them, but I just like the sword for the memes. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think Chandra's really sweet. I have not played it. I'm really excited to actually play with a little bit of these cards because I don't know how powerful they are. Um, what, do you, what do you got at number two? My number two is Lotus Field, which... Hexproof land, taps for three, you have to sacrifice two when it enters the battlefield, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, notably, they, it doesn't say untapped, so you can tap your lands for mana, and mm-hmm. you, you could still get to cast your spells and play this land in the same t- in the same turn. So you're not like completely out of a turn. It's not a complete another time walk. Um, people have been talking about this being real popular in Amulet Titan as a grab target. I'm not sure if you want to play a bunch of these, but uh, having one in there and it just being Lotus Bloom, uh, like like the deck used to play Lotus, the deck used to play Lotus Bloom. Having this in there as a land that just is Lotus Bloom isn't terrible, especially when you play two or three lands in a turn and you get to untap them with the amulet. Two amulets, you get to you get to play bounce land and leave. You could leave, like bounce land, make four mana, uh, have a land, have two lands in the battlefield, play lotus field as your second land, make six mana, go to ten mana, sacrifice mm-hmm. your other two, then bounce land, bounce your lotus field back to your hand. Like it's insane, just how much mana you can make with the lotus field. Um, an amulet of vigor. Uh. Beyond that, standard, there's a couple of, like, the mass manipulation decks are wanting to play this. Uh, Reclamation decks might want to play it, especially since it's hexproof. Notably, on rotation, we lose Field of Ruin. Yeah, we do. But, like, Field of Ruin doesn't deal with this anyway. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm wondering if there's going to be a new Field of Ruin in the new set, in the next set coming up. Because there's a lot of just, like... Lands matter a lot in this standard set because we're in so many colors and we have so much going on color-wise that being able to punish them on their lands is probably going to be a thing maybe in the next standard. Especially since this has Hexproof makes me think that we're getting a better... Like, we're either getting Ghost Quarterback or we're getting, like, Tech Edge or something like that. Where we just get to pick off Shock Lands and not... And they don't get to like buy them back, like Field of Ruin does. Uh, number one, <laughs> my number one, and, and your number one, and my number one, yeah, <laughs> is uh, Shifting Ceratops. Uh, this is two green green for a five four dinosaur. Cannot be countered. Has protection from blue, and you can pay a green to give it Reach, Trample, or Haste. This card's just insane, man. It gets to kill Teferi. It literally kills Teferi at every point ever. Yep. Teferi can't tell him to pick it up. Exactly. And it just it just smashes, man. Yep. Um This is actually probably going to be the first card I, I craft on Arena, because I'm just going to slot into Degrul. Oh yeah, no, this card especially goes into Degrul, especially with all the dinosaur synergies we have going on right now. Uh, we still have all the Ixalan dinosaurs, so... 
Ripjaw Raptor, Registor Alpha. Um, we have enough like ramp now in the deck in the deck that we could probably ramp into Registor Alpha on like four, which isn't terrible with this, because then we could just like pay the green to give Shifty Ceratops Trample, and now it has Haste and Trample. <laughs> yep. Um, I, I I really like Shifty Ceratops. I think this is like probably one of the better designed green cards we have. In quite a while. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I think this card's very good, and I'm very excited just to punch people with him. Notably, it's the only rare in the cycle that it's out of. Of the creatures with protection from color. Mm-hmm. Like the Surge Mare, the, like the Mare cycle was last score set. This one is the only rare out of a cycle of uncommons. So that just kind of shows the power level of this card, and they didn't want to de- they didn't want to tote it down because then it's just easily answered by the Esper control decks. Probably, it probably yep. loses the can't be countered clause and only can gain reach or trample, like at uncommon. I feel like that's the only thing it would do. Plus, it would also be like a three four instead of a five four. But yeah, this so yeah, this card's real good. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go smash people, man. Yeah. What do we got on Arena? Anything cool built yet? Nothing yet? Um, I just crafted Ceratops so I can go smash people with Gruel. Go get <laughs> That's literally all I've done, man. Go get them. Alright, man. Is that going to do it for this week, then? Anything you, wanna, anything you want to touch on? Uh, there's pre-release this weekend. Go play pre-release. Uh, go support your LGS. IQ at Columbia on July 13th. It's modern... It's after the ban announcement and after London Mulligan's legal. So yep. this will be like the first real test of the new modern formats we're going to be dealing with for a while. Um, I unfortunately have to work, but it'll be all right, man. What do you think is going to happen on Monday? Any changes? I I am hopeful that we ban British from Below or Alter or both and unban Stoneforge Mystic. Um, I am expecting no changes in all formats. I'm expecting, after seeing this weekend, I'm expecting no changes. Uh, I would be happy if they ban Alter Dementia. If they ban Alter Dementia, then the Hogak deck still gets to play Magic. They get to do stuff still. It's just not going to have the crazy, silly, mill you out combo on turn two that it does currently have. Yep, so... I don't know. I'm not expecting anything, but we'll figure it out when it happens. I'm waiting for Neo Brand to take over the format now. Um, I guess we'll figure that out next week, then, won't we? Yep, we'll see what happens. Alright, man. Is that going to do it this week, then? Yep, that'll be it. So, as always, you can find us on, on Twitter um, at Attack for Zero. You can find myself at Noble 25 You can find Carl at Musical underscore 33. Um, you can find Carl and I both on, on Twitch. Um, past that, yeah, questions, comments, concerns, you can always email us. Our email's down in the show notes. Um, past that, yeah, that's going to do it, everyone. Thank you all. Have a fantastic week. We will talk to you next week. Peace. Peace.